1: Look at us now, tip to
0: tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to
1: this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: <laughs> yeah, back at it five or six minutes late due to Luke Thomas's computer. It is Morning Combat, the only show that hits the skins for the hell of it. Just for the yell they get, mm, 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 for the smell of it. Uh, they want the bot. Here's the hot rod. Your boy, BC, Friday, July 23rd, 2021, CBS Sports and Showtime are my employers, probably until the end of this show. Brian Campbell back at it. And you know my cohort, my partner in crime, the only man that can get you fired up for this weekend's fights by breaking that shit down. He's an old, grizzled veteran and a single mom this week. His name is luke thomas
1: yes sorry for the delay my computer decided to update automatically i should not have had that setting on and i did and so it caused the show to be about five or so minutes late apologies but ready to go excited for the fights tomorrow bc they are quite good even though we had some last minute cancellations of a co-main event
0: absolutely and we got some we got a great show today to break all that shit down dead wrong Previewing the 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 foundation here for this UFC Fight Night, all things, San Hagen, Dillushaw. Shaw uh, a lot of news to get to and all that. Play some sound from an expansive, growing list of BC interviews that are that are happening there. But Luke, I did want to, you know, touch you a little bit personally and just ask, you know, are you you're making meals, you're vacuuming, you're you're chauffeuring, you're 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 the dad and the mom right now. Are you surviving, brother?
1: Yes, I took my daughter to this uh, outdoor place yesterday where she could they have, they have this one that's like life-size Connect Four games, and it's outside this place where there's all these restaurants, and uh, I just sat out there, and I had a couple of drinks, just, to, you know, it takes me, you know, it takes me a while to get drunk, I just had a couple of drinks just to relax, I think people thought I, <laughs> I think people were judging me as I took my daughter to go play Connect Four, uh, but in the end, she had a good time, we got home safe, of course, Wait. I didn't even hardly feel it, and um, that was that, little- but otherwise, you know, it's been normal.
0: You've made a few bold claims in the history of the show that you used to dunk with ease in high school. Yeah, right. And, you know, that you need to Did not say I dunked
1: with ease, that I could dunk, yes, but not with ease.
0: Fifty-seven I need 57 beers to get tipsy. So I was focused on that, but I just put it all together. You took your daughter to a public park and brought alcohol. No, 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 it's not
1: a public park. It's just a, it's this place that has all these restaurants and shops on one street at the end of it, uh, one of the restaurants has this giant Connect Four life-size okay. game for kids, and I, I sat out there that, in the park.
0: And you brought the alcohol with you, though. What what container? No,
1: no, no, no. The alcohol is sold outside.
0: Okay, okay, you're good now, Luke. I I had a different picture you in thought,
1: my head that you, you thought was... I was brown bagging like a forty ounce at yeah, like a kid's yeah, party. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I didn't no, know no, how no, things
0: no. had had how how dark things had turned as the single no, no, mom. No, no. But Luke, my wife returns tonight. I've survived. Um, I also, Luke, turned 43 on Sunday, so I've decided wow. to embrace my washedness. I'm not, I ain't dying this anymore, okay? I'm here.
1: All right. I'm old. Uh, I'm ready. B. Right. Wayne Newton C. over there. Just going to get just about. for men and turn out to have jet black hair at age 43. It's going to be great.
0: Let's get through a little bit of business right here. Of course, we want you uh, wearing our clothes, all right? You know, MK is willing to penetrate all fans, so go to store. Wait, wait, where do hell we go? Morningcombat.store is the new website for all things Merch 2.0. You can get your, uh, get everything, get everything you need. I don't know, I haven't been on that site in a while. Hope it's great. Hope it's going great. International shipping rules do apply so you can finally uh, wear our shit. Also, store.show.com if you want the original, the OG here, the original mug. Uh, still some great products left. The green sweatshirt, I, I really recommend right there as well. So buy our shit and support us that way. The other great way you can support us, of course, like this video, Subscribe to this video as the road to 100K is oh so hot and heavy at the moment. And also please tell a friend, look, you remember college, the best way to, to, you know, to spread an STD, it's close physical contact. Do the same with your friends about morning combat because it is better than all that other shit they watch, okay? I, I'm serious. You know, I, I'll put my, I'll. who else will put their balls on the line and make that claim, okay? All right? You, American made. That's what this show is. Thank you very much. Consumed by many, though, around the world. Also, Luke, a lot of great bonus content this week at YouTube.com slash morning combat. It is basically MK all day nearly every day you've got luke's live chat i've got one-on-ones with hall of fame boxing trainer freddie roach talking about all things pacquiao spence uh, aspen ladd who of course unfortunately will be out of tomorrow night's show but you can still check out that very interesting chat and uh luke i got a um a really good one with tj dillashaw in fact uh some people have said it's 2021's interview of the year, but, you know, who am I, right? Just some sweaty guy in a basement, all right? So uh, check out all that fun bonus content right there. Luke, you, you got some snarky response. What do you got?
1: <laughs> you're doing the Trump thing where it's like some people are saying that I won this election. Is that what you're doing?
0: Yeah, you know, some, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess I am, Luke, okay? All right. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Luke, anything else? A- anything else, or can we get into the show? I'm ready. Uh, we get can a- get into the show, brother. Let's do it. Okay, you've already caused us enough delay by... You know, rebooting your Windows 95
1: uh, (laughs) application there. You can blame Apple for this one. It's my Mac that that had issues.
0: All right. Uh, Our first topic, of course, is setting the stage for what is a fantastic UFC Fight Night main event Saturday night on ESPN. I don't know what the number is, and nobody really cares. It'll happen from the apex and it's a great one. A Bantamweight title number one contender as things appear to be at this moment when Corey Sandhagen takes on a returning former two-time champion in TJ Dillashaw, fresh off the USADA suspension. And Luke, we hit the headlines or the storylines on this fight up and down on Wednesday's show. Um, we're going to play some TJ Dillashaw sound in a minute. But, but Friday's show is all about, you know, letting the people know who wins and why. How do we get there? Luke from a style matchup Obviously, this has potential to be great, but what the hell is it actually going to look like? That's what's got me very intrigued and excited because the thirty-five-year-old Dillashaw, we just like we know what we're going to get, but two years away, you never know what you're going to get. So I'm very intrigued heading into this one.
1: Yeah, I, I had tweeted an article before the show from Richard Mann of uh, FightMetric. He had basically argued that. If you just look at the numbers on people returning, even from very long layoffs, they're just at best inconclusive. There's not a lot of evidence to suggest that the layoff means one thing or the other. For some, it could be obviously critically important, and for others, it doesn't seem to have an effect. It can be dependent on the opponent. There's just a lot of factors, so it's really hard to know what you're going to get. I'm going to assume, BC, that we're going to get you know, some improved version of the Dillashaw we saw in the second Garbrand fight because right after that he fought Cejudo it was really short he didn't look good the whole issue's there so something uh better than what we saw in the second Garbrand fight and if, if that's what we're going to do here I think the question is obviously you got two guys who move a lot big big motion guys right but if we can home in on something I thought again Charles or Richard Mann he sort of distilled what he thought was the important variable. And it's about sandhagen having this interesting combination bc of both power uh and volume striking to a degree to the point let me read this very quick sentence or two sentences quote sandhagen is an impressive volume striker who makes good use of his range to the point that he averages 6.85 strikes per minute which is 10th highest among all ranked fighters and despite the volume sandhagen only absorbs 2.97 uh, significant strikes per minute that results in a Plus two nine six striking differential, which ranks six among ranked fighters. Right, so you're talking about Dillashaw having to overcome uh, 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 like who is Sandhagen against? Volkanovski two point seven one, Holloway two point six eight, Aljamain Sterling two point six four, Cyril Gaon two point five three. I mean, you're talking about elite company in that sense. Of what Sandhagen's able to do now, obviously, there's something to be said for what Dillashaw can do to match that. For me, BC, what I'm looking to see is. Obviously, motion's going to be a big part, but I think more than that, I think Dillashaw might get crowded a little bit by Sandhagen. I think what I'm looking to see is to what extent he can either wrestle, like he did in the Lineker fight, or to what extent um, he can counter-strike against a more press-forward kind of Sandhagen. The wrestling, I do think, is kind of interesting because a guy like Sandhagen, who had the issues against Sterling and only has mathematically... 30% takedown defense. It's not quite accurate about what skill level he has, but to say it's not that great numerically is quite true. So I think you might see a little bit of that to what extent Dillashaw can do something with it. Because the truth is, I think a guy like Dillashaw is going to be on point for the most part, BC. But one thing that we really don't go back to is, I don't think he has a bad chin by any stretch. But I don't think he's got a great one either. He's taken some damage over the years. And yes, the Cejudo fight was badly drained. and That's going to make your chin a lot worse. Fair enough. But, you know, he's been clipped or, you know, dropped or hurt in a fair number of fights. A guy like Sandhagen, who does get hit a little bit, but still, as we just indicated, big power, good volume, great motion. The wrestling might be a bit of an issue, but I think as if he's crowding Dillashaw, so only one is getting the real benefit of the open space around them. And if that is Sandhagen, I think that might be a long night for Dillashaw. But Dillashaw's ability to wrestle, he lands almost two takedowns per 15 minutes, BC. That could prove a maybe, maybe game changer.
0: I'm wondering exactly to see if that becomes uh, exactly what you said, whether that changes things here. Uh, Plus 160 is Dillashaw's, your William Hill underdog (sighs) at the moment. Sandhagen minus 90. Luke, I just want to see, you know, what have those two years done both physically to Dillashaw and certainly in game planning because a lot of times, you know, look at Brian Ortega when he took two years off. Guys can come back and almost be a different fighter in their approach, in their, their, you know, in, in terms of their strategy. In talking to Dillashaw, I can tell you that, you know, mentally, he does seem to be in a fantastic place. He's still the same cocky dude. Doesn't mind if you hate him. We'll get more into that in a second. But he's used the two years in his eyes to not even really focus on fighting a ton, especially in the beginning when he went through rehab on sur- surgery for both shoulders, he said he ballooned up to 168 pounds, but it was all healthy fats and he was just sort of living fun. And look, he says, you know, you could take this for a grain of salt, whatever it means, but he's a stronger, better person. And he thinks a better fighter because he's used the two years to focus on being a father and starting up his own business with this uh, organic juice bar and food truck thing, which was his own food truck was featured on the uh, Brendan Schaub Food Truck Diaries. So, Luke, from his standpoint, he thinks that changes him because he's not reliant upon the money. He said that's why he turned down a bunch of non-top-five opponents when UFC offered it. He wanted to either fight for the title or the next best thing. And, you know, it almost feels like it was his way of saying, I feel like I got a little bit of leverage and it makes me more dangerous. And, and, you know, there's something to say about peace of mind, about figuring out who you are. We don't obviously know how that's going to translate in there on Saturday. Would you be more surprised? And the odds tell you, Luke, it'll be a competitive fight. We expect it to be a competitive, dynamic fight. But would you be more surprised if Corey Sanhagen just ran through him and you were like, oh, man, wrong guy to come back against, wrong time? Or if TJ Dillashaw, you know, on the flip side – won pretty damn dominantly to show you that, you know, he hasn't slipped in terms of being championship contender. And let's not forget, we all thought Joe versus, uh, you know, Corey was going to be a thriller, and that one lasted, you know, a, a minute plus, whatever. Which side of dominance would you be more surprised?
1: I'd be more surprised with TJ's dominance. Not that I don't – yeah, I'd be more surprised with TJ's dominance. I do think, according to – you put the odds up there, and I think those are probably pretty fair. I mean, most people don't really know exactly what to expect – from the layoff, but we know that he used to be quite good. I mean, there was a time after he beat Garbrandt the second time that he was labeling himself the best Bantamweight ever and whatnot. And again, no one ever took the title from him except you know he, rel- he relinquished it, but no fighter ever beat him. But for me, it's like if Dillashaw wins, I would expect it to be competitive to maybe I could see a moderate difference between them. But if anyone's going to get run over, and again, MMA's crazy, but it just seems like, it seems like, if anyone's going to get run over, it would be... Sandhagen doing the running over, you know. I'd mentioned previously that Maverick versus Barber's got a bit of these Vera Jones and GSP trig feels. Well, you know, one thing you should sort of note about both those fights is that they were kind of blowouts. GSP just absolutely fucking ran through the guy, and uh, obviously Jones broke Brandon Vera's face with an elbow pretty early into the fight, took him down at will. Like it was nothing. I don't know that I'm expecting that per se, but I, I I'm just I'm. Ri- I was really high on T.J. Dillashaw before, which is why I think the likeliest prediction here at BC is that it's competitive. You know, something a la maybe uh, Dillashaw versus Cruz. Different fighters, but, you know, something along that kind of makeup. But I'm a big believer in Corey Sandhagen, man. I really think his talent is exceptional. I think the kind of stuff he's doing with his trainer, Christian Allen, is, is frankly the bleeding edge of striking in the game. You know, when I ask Israel Adesanya... Who do you see out there who's just doing really impressive stuff? You know, he's saying Corey Sandhagen impresses him. you got to take note of that, man. Fighters don't d- heap that kind of praise very often. I take the point about what happened against Sterling. Sterling said, fuck all those narratives. This fight's mine. Fair enough. Fair play to him. He won that one. No doubt about it. And I do think that Dillashaw has, you know, remember that great outside trip takedowns he had? I think it was UFC 200? No, that was against and Sal, but whenever he fought Lineker, he was able to do that. Those are are clever. He's very clever about distance closing and getting that kind of thing, for sure. But I don't think he's got the same back attacks that a guy like Sterling has. He doesn't have the same wiry kind of longer frame either. In fact, Dillashaw has a 3- or 4-inch reach disadvantage, and I think like a 3- or 4-inch height disadvantage, you know, he just is a little bit more wrestle boxer than he is kind of you know snake like grappler in the way that uh, that Sterling is, despite whatever moniker Conor McGregor well, according, may be given. Doles
0: Yeah, according to McGregor, he's he's plenty of a snake there. Good 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 pull right there, Luke. You beat me to it. But uh, it see you know it may have sound stupid, almost a rhetorical question in terms of who who would be more surprising if they won dominantly because Hagen has shown us especially against Marais and Edgar like just how freaking reformed he is from that Sterling fight and just how dangerous he is. But I don't know, Luke, maybe it's just having been a Dillashaw guy previously, having believed in his pound-for-pound ability. uh, You know, it's not not overlooking the drug test situation by any means, but uh, he sounded really confident. He sounded really ready. Uh, You know, I'm wondering if if there are levels to this game and there's levels on the elite play. uh, You know, I I don't want to count out that idea that Dillashaw just goes in there and and is just the better fighter, the quicker fighter, the more powerful fighter. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see. I did want to throw to some sound here, Luke, because, you know, you can't avoid the stigma of the drug test and obviously the question of how much of his career was on the up and up. Was this a one-time thing, like he says, and all that, and look, there's still, like like we said, lingering questions with two years off and being 35 years old as an elite bantamweight. What's that going to look like? But as far as the labeling and the fans... Dillashaw really couldn't give a flying f, Luke, what anybody thinks. Let's throw to some sound from the interview that you can check out on YouTube. Is do you care if your comeback is is under the veil of like TJ Dillashaw the villain? I mean, are you like if they boo you on Saturday night? Do you care? I don't. Um, I've already been the villain villain for a long time now. Ever since uh, Conor McGregor, thanks to Conor, I've been the villain now since what was that, two thousand sixteen? I've been the bad guy. You know, so maybe it just kind of prepared me for this. But the bad guy gets attention too. The bad guy makes them big checks, right? So hate me, hate me, but fill my wallet. Uh, Chicks still dig the long ball, Luke. The bad guys get laid. That's really what he's saying.
1: Sorry, go ahead. You got cut off there because they kept your audio on. Say again.
0: I was just gonna say, uh, you know, history has proven that that uh, the bad guys get laid too. So I think I think that's where he was going there, Luke. Okay, chicks dig that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just find this whole—I mean, listen—there's no way to get around the storyline of back from suspension. You know, uh, one of the more high-profile failures in the Usada era because the guy was champion when he got caught. He has admitted getting caught, but you know, I just find the hand wringing over this and the pro clutching—just it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, but I mean, you it's know.
0: pretty arrogant. It's pretty arrogant, Luke. Right? He's an arrogant what dude. Is?
1: Yeah, Hill dude. You want to be—you want to be a pro fighter? You better have some real confidence. Like that fake humility shit doesn't work for most of these guys. You you have to have, you know, either a desire for a kind of like masochistic existence, or, or, you know, you have to believe that you really are just better than everyone else. That's why I like, even in a similar way, like this is not to make kind of a political conversation we see, but like people always like, oh, who's your favorite politician? None of them. None of them. Do you know what kind (laughs) of? Do you know what kind of like? A mentality you have to have to think that you can do those jobs in that kind of way particularly like the higher profile that it gets you know what kind of fucking arrogance you have to have to want to run for United States Senate whatever party whatever country or part of the country you're in like it's just it's, it's an insane level so like for fighters man you know does he have a little bit of fuck you cock of the walk attitude no doubt about it but yeah. you want to be in the you, dude he has to fight Corey Sanhagen in a day you, you might want to carry a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and yeah. some confidence in your head if you want to do that
0: you might want to have BDE, Luke, and very few of us do. So that is that is very well said by you right there. Yeah, I love that you're like fuck all your favorite politicians. On top of that, uh, yeah. So Luke, I, you know, it's, look, it's going to be great theater. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, the belt wasn't taken from him. You know, I mean, he lost to Cejudo, yes, but but as you as you mentioned, he wasn't beaten. And Luke, you know, something him and I got into in terms of the, his resume. Again, I you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a card carrying TJ fan club member, but dude, I didn't think he lost to Cruz or the first time against mm. against Asunciao. And the fact that the UFC made him after the Cruz fight go the long way, right? A two-year journey of beating top contenders like Lineker and, and what have you to get back to just another chance at that title, that experience level I, I think that helped create the chip first of all that he was never a company guy, but I think that experience level has also just made him, you know, where he is or where he was, let's say, before the, the two-year break and... um Uh, You know, yeah, let's, you know, F the world here. Let's see what he's got. So, uh, um, imagine though, Luke, if he hadn't lost those, I know you could say that about everybody, right? Imagine if the judge went the other way, but, uh, you know, that would have been 14 straight wins, uh. He, he his run however you frame it has been impressive and his career has been as well so we're going to find out if he's still got it Luke because this is the deepest of the deep end of the pool and no one's really talking about Sanhagen right that you know Dillashaw has controlled the narrative for obvious reasons but you know this is also Sanhagen's chance to get the biggest uh, and most important win of his career without question
1: no doubt and a winner as we talked about on Wednesday is probably going to get a title shot but I think more than that like Maybe one of the reasons Dillashaw wanted to come back against Sandhagen is maybe he likes his chances or whatever the case, you know, wants to get right back to the title. But, like, dude, he's 35. We talked about it on Wednesday. 35. Now, the good news is, you remember, remember he had both shoulders repaired after he popped and he was able to address, you know, a lot of lingering injuries that had kind of been affecting him for all this time. And so there's definitely some benefit to just hitting the pause button on your career, either forced to or otherwise, and then getting your body right and still training and not having that competitive um cycles go through where you're, you're just constantly getting banged around that, i think that will actually serve him quite well i i, I mean that uh, quite legitimately but at 35 years of age tj dillisville is not a dumbass like he knows man if you're gonna make an impact if you really want to get back to the top of this division you, you, i don't think you i'm not saying he couldn't have taken an easier fight and gotten there you know relatively quickly but Time is just absolutely not on his side. you got to be young and hungry in this division if you want to be at the top of it. And uh, he certainly is hungry. He certainly is talented, but he's not young anymore, and that will work against him, if not so much on Saturday, over time. And I think he understands that.
0: I guess I I close by asking this question only because this may be the last time this question is viable. We'll see what happens on Saturday. But if TJ Dillashaw wins this fight and then beats the winner of Jan versus Aljo 2 and reclaims the belt... Does that get Henry Cejudo up in the bullpen?
1: I was just thinking about that. I went back and I watched the Cejudo fight with Dillashaw from uh, you know to, to January twenty nineteen, whenever it was. And um, I hope I don't think it does. I think you know the guy's done. But golly, man, like you know, you want to talk about a guy? People don't understand this. Henry Cejudo, when he first got into MMA, was a bit of a fuck up, like missing weight and and just kind of all over the place. And his run at the end of USA Wrestling was not so great either uh so he kind of flamed out there and i just and he was training with some like weird like you know oh they're put you know carbonation in your water and it makes your muscles grow like you know just total snake oil salesman but eventually he got yeah, right yeah the bunch of
0: fabias right, luke okay
1: yeah he got right with the right people and you could just see the difference i mean he turned into an absolute killing machine you know i would love to say bc that i would love to see them run that one back if, if they can get to that point but i'm afraid i don't think it's possible
0: by the way, shout-out to friend of the show, Eric Albaracine, Luke, who is not only the uh, one of the geniuses behind Cejudo, but we will have Pitbull next week against McKee. Uh, Luke, we haven't formally announced it, but you and I will be dropping a resume review next week uh, on that great Bellator main event that is July 31st. So uh, a lot of people waiting to see who they should put their money on based upon who we chose, Luke. So it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know who is going to – you know we'll see who appreciates that spending an hour and a half going through the history of dude the history of pitbull is in many ways the history of bellator like it kind of you know it. um yeah. you, to, to see all the eras like if you go and watch pitbull's career you just see all the mats MTV2 and ESPN deportes and all that kind of stuff and then you know uh, we've said this before you'll see it on the resume review Featherweight has just always been a marquee division in Bellator, even going back to the Bjorn Rebney days, and and he was a big fixture of that back then. You can just understand the growth of this organization through that. You know, we'll see who appreciates all the work we put into it, BC, if you know what I'm saying, but, um, wow, but I'm, wow, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty proud of what we did.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Wow, I didn't, yeah. Uh, I will say, though, Luke, that, um, you know, if Pitbull was the history of Bellator, you know, obviously McKee, if anyone, is looking like the future, so that's why this fight's so great. Luke, I wonder, like – Nah, no, I will save it for next week. A lot of great stuff to talk about that fight. We'll save that for next week. we got to sure, continue sure. down the road of this UFC fight night, Luke, and that co-main event is, is unfortunately gone now. It was supposed to be Aspen uh, Ladd returning from the, what, 17-, 18-month layoff following ACL and MCL tear surgery. Uh, she was supposed to be facing Macy Shazan, Luke. Shazan, bro. Peep, you know, not, not know. all those other incarnations we attempted I, I,
1: well the, in fairness i said i did not know how to pronounce it correctly so but shazan, okay, that's that's the way you do it shay's on i think i
0: got one of those in my deck right a shazan, Is that that shay's lounge or something luke um either way luke uh macy pulled out with an injury per aspen lad social media the fight is off really disappointing because we, you know lads ready it seems to, to to make those kind of statements where we get her in line and she's gonna have to wait but luke I did chat with Aspen Lad, and although the fight is no longer uh, happening, the interview is still happening on YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat. Here's a little snippet of your boy BC hanging out with Aspen. What have you been doing in the in the in the time off? You know, mentally, internally, to feel like is that who you are moving forward? Did that fight feel like a turning point of some kind?
1: Not necessarily. That was just when I finally listened to my coach, which I should have been doing the entire time. <laughs> So that was more. I'm just very blessed in my team, and I need to focus a little bit better. But coming back, there's so much build up and so many things I couldn't do. So everything has
0: had to be precise to a certain point. Training is precise. What I can do on a certain month is precise. Like, I don't know, it's just rebuilding everything from the ground up, basically. Okay. Uh, Luke, that was, of course, in reference in the beginning to her win over Jana Kunitskaya in which her coach motivated her to turn that corner in round three. So, Luke, I mean, wh- what's your reaction here? You are disappointed, right? Uh, but, uh... Super.
1: And by the way, I, I guess, yeah, it was Chaston who who pulled out. It was not Aspen Ladd. And she, you know, she's understandably frustrated. I, I, BC, what do you think about this? Let me spin it back to you for here for a second. People are saying this now, and I don't you know, you could argue maybe it's a little premature because I did see Misha Tate say she wanted Raquel Pennington again because that was the initial fight that kind of retired her. So she wants to get that one back. Fair enough. I'd love to see that one. I think that's a great idea. But if not, where are you on Tate versus Ladd? I mean, it's a
0: great freaking fight. I just, you know, some people don't like this about me that I, I don't tend to side with promoters, but I tend to think more with a promoter's mind than a fan at times maybe it's just the fact that i'm a jaded boxing journalist who you constantly have to try to think that way to to, to sort of understand the lay of the land but i don't know i'd kind of like to see tate see this is where this is a counter statement to make because it's against the basics of what we love about the mma and the success of the ufc post zufa purchase because it's always the best against the best most competitive i don't care what your name is you're never getting an easy one but i kind of want to see tate if she's going to go into the title bout you know, going there with name and us not really knowing how great she is on the comeback, and and uh, then having her the chance of her getting exposed and never get there against a tough person in line. And look, I don't typically say that, right? Like that's against everything I typically believe in, but. Um, I would rather see that. I would rather see uh, you know Misha get a little bit of softer handling. You can get a good main event out of her rematching Rocky, and you know build toward the idea of making Amanda versus uh, Tate a, a bigger rematch. But uh, you know that that's that's a commercial way to look at it, Luke.
1: Fair enough. Uh, it's just something that is coming up, and I think UFC. I don't think they'll pull the trigger on it. And Aspen Lad, by the way, is getting I mean, a lot it- better at doing media. I don't think she's going to whip the crack the whip on that necessarily but it, it is something that sort of came across my timeline and it, it would be intriguing
0: wouldn't you rather match her in a GDR rematch which could really help her skip the line and get it get into the title picture right now
1: yeah listen there's a lot of good options sure I mean finally women's bantamweight is beginning to like you know Misha Tate bringing in a uh injecting some life into it the the resurgence of Aspen Ladd and and GDR's just eventual culmination Irene, to the fighter uh, she's uh, become yeah, there's a lot of uh, Aldana doing amazing. Work. It's finally starting to cook up a little bit again. And uh, you, you can't go wrong by going a number of different directions.
0: Uh, Luke, speaking of different directions, there were people who enjoyed the Aspen Lad, uh, but I got a lot of DMs saying I should have extended the invitation to interview her mother as well. I didn't really understand that connotation.
1: I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From
0: Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Yeah, something, something about Cougars or something. I, I didn't really look into it, but uh, uh, that uh, the interview's still available. Luke, look, this card also has some some fights that we talked about storyline-wise on Wednesday that just have us jumping on the inside. One of those, of course, women's flyweight, Macy Barber, Miranda Maverick. We know what's at stake. We know the uniqueness of this matchup of 24-year-old versus 23-year-old. Both could have next. Barber's got a lot of questions to answer. All that-ish, Luke. But what the heck is this fight going to look like? Is it going to be Maverick taking down Barber and really remaining dominant on the ground and going that route to get it? Or is it going to be a Macy Barber who is, you know, as savage as ever going for that early knockout? Or both, Luke. What are we going to see here?
1: I think you're going to see sticking and moving and angles from Miranda Maverick. I think that's really what you're going to see. I think Barber is going to try and pressure her, either against the fence because she actually is very good Uh, Barbara really excels not just in the clinch but in the early stages of any kind of clinch engagement where she can turn and then fire an elbow. She's actually very very good at that and they can be either slashing elbows that cut they can be obviously devastating elbows that hurt. She's big there but I really think the difference is going to try to be on the ground. I do not think in any capacity that Miranda Maverick is bad on the ground. She's good on the ground very good but what I would say is you know the best part of her game is not necessarily on the ground. The best part of her game is the reads and adjustments she makes um, in the middle of a fight, listening to her coach, and what she sees otherwise on the feet. That is really where she is just very, very, very good. You can see some of the elbows here. Um, from Macy uh, Barber from her fight with uh, Alexa Grasso. She lost that fight, but that is something she excels at. So that's what I'm looking for, looking to see, is who can really implement the geographical imposition. Uh, Macy Barber is going to try and pressure her, I think, obviously, push her against the fence, take her down, at least to some extent. I don't know if she's going to... I don't want to say she's going to be like Habib, BC, where she's going to relentlessly go for the takedown. But I do think close quarters, whatever that means, is what she's going to be looking for, and Maverick's going to try and keep it a distance. And I think early on... I think Maverick is going to have a hard time. The question is, this is what you always have to understand about Miranda Maverick. If she stays on the feet, she is going to make adjustments. And once she makes adjustments, again, I'm not saying she's Floyd Mayweather, but one thing about Floyd that you understand is he takes away certain things over the course of a fight so that by round seven or eight, all the weapons they were using in one, two, and three, they don't really exist anymore. They have to go to something else. He's very good about that. Maverick is obviously not on that level, but... She has the ability, I'm telling you, the ability in MMA to make mid-round adjustments that actually stick and work is rare. It's very difficult to do. She's got it. I've seen it a number of times. So once that happens, what does Barber do? I think that's, to me, where the fight's going to be won or lost.
0: And Demetrius Johnson, by the way, has to be the ultimate master in that, that, you know, superlative you just, you know, identified there, Luke. Uh, but to, your, to the point yes. you referenced earlier, um, that's interesting that you think a Miranda Maverick ground-heavy attack would only be, let's say, a desperation move out of response to Barber having big success on the feet early?
1: No, quite the opposite. What I'm saying is um, Maverick might go to the ground. Again, Maverick is hardly bad on the ground. She's good. She's very do you good. See
0: that? But, Luke, do you see that as the path to taking away Bar- Macy's best strengths?
1: No, I think on the feet, Maverick is much better. Uh, again, early on, that could get dicey where you're not used to their blitzing or what, you know, you, what entry when I say entry level. I don't mean like basic. I mean, the beginning of the fight, you, whatever attack she has there, it's going to take probably some time for Miranda to adjust to that. So once that happens, though, once that switch is flipped and she's able to take away from whatever Barbara is doing, what does Barber have as her second or third gear? I'm not saying she doesn't have one. In fact, I'm just curious to see what it is. But that, to me, is where the fight's going to be won or lost. If it stays on the feet, for sure, Maverick's going to find a second or third gear. She's very, very smart, very, very capable in that way. Can the opponent follow? We shall see.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, Barber's got so much to show us, Luke. I, you know, we know that there's that there is this Tasmanian Devil warrior inside of her, and she showed that even in defeat. But yeah, Luke. I, Just, you know, not to belabor this, but what do you most need to see out of Macy to show that she's learned from those two losses and that this wasn't haste matchmaking to try to, like, double down and prove to everybody that she's still the thing?
1: I think just exactly—I mean, this is why the Maverick fight, dude, this is clever matchmaking on a a number of levels. In the fights where she's lost, she had the injury one time, but the other time— she just couldn't get around what Grasso was doing and just kind of seemed to be flailing in there. She didn't actually have, in those cases, the extra gears that she needed. Now, they might have been there, and she was unable to access them. Remember, she's still got, what, less than 10 fights total in her career, something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. what is her record? Eight and two. So she's got 10 total fights. You know, we're still talking about a very junior fighter at this point. You can work on all the things you want to work on in the gym, but being able to go to that place when it's required is actually... It's not automatic folks think it's automatic. It actually takes a little bit of work and time and and development. so I know that it's there. The question is can she pull it out of herself was not she was not able to do that against Grasso. now Grasso is a little bit of a different fighter than Maverick in a few ways, but uh, there are some overlapping similarities too good jab, good lateral movement, that kind of a thing like both of them kind of stick behind it so so in many ways it's like it's not Alexa Grasso 2.0, but what I would say is BC some of the things that she was not able to overcome in the Grasso fight, she might face again this time out. Well, now you got a second try at some of those things. Again, some of them. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. And if you can't do that, I think you're asking, like, what do I want to see from Barbara? Even if she loses, BC, but it's close, and she's able to make some adjustments of her own, I think I'd be okay with that. I mean, I'm sure she'd be upset with it, but I'd be like, okay, all right, fine. But if she gets stuck in a rut where she doesn't have an answer, like Mike Perry against... Who did he fight where he just, you know, was walking into punches? I forget who it was. You know, oh, he just yeah, didn't... yeah, I forget who it was, too. I remember that. Was it Luque? It was Luque, punches. I think, or to a little bit. It's like if you don't have that ability to get out of what you're good at, if that's not good enough and you don't have a second or third place you can pivot to, dude, that octagon is a lonely place. So that's what I'm looking for is win or lose. Yes, that, of course, that's important. But can you show and demonstrate uh, all of these layers to your game that you need to really be successful long term?
0: I think you were referencing the Daniel Rodriguez fight, Luke, because I thought Perry had moments against Tim. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay, indeed right there. We'll see. Look, must-see matchup uh, as we close on these uh, betting odds. We're at plus 125 at William Hill for Macy Barber, minus 150 for Maverick, the favorite. Luke, I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, I've been wrong a lot in my life. Feeling really good about uh, Dillashaw Barber. I'm sorry, Dillashaw Maverick uh, parlay right here for the first Saturday night. Okay, just, you know, if you're into that cool they maverick just it, something feels right about it luke okay yeah cool all right it was great to, it was great talking to you all right so uh let's keep it moving here luke on this fight night card any other fights um we certainly identified from a storyline standpoint why they matter do you are you feeling any specific winner here who do you, who do you think is looking strong entering uh some of these more must-see matchups on the prelims and main card
1: Um, the other fight that I guess I got the most amount of interest in would be the Adrian Yanez fight and Randy Costa, or Adrian Yanez, uh, because Yanez is a, you know, he's a junior fighter in the sense of where he's at in his career. You know, he's not obviously, what, 13 and three. That's a little more mid-range in terms of experience level, but, um, he's just so talented. He's so talented. He's got so many things going on and I don't think those losses, I don't think his record fully reflects, I would say... The talent that his potential kind of tantalizes. Cause you can see, he's like, man, if you can build on what you got here, you can, you can do some things in this, in this business. And a guy like Randy Costa, six and one, is just an absolute fucking hammer. I mean, listen to his numbers. Strikes landed per minute, 7.88. Folks, that's Justin Gaetje pre Reformation territory. You know, we're talking about a guy who's just going out there and just laying it on the line with the the amount of volume that he can sometimes throw, but he does get hit a bit 5.26. Well, strikes absorb per minute. Well, a guy like Yanez, I mean, he is just a uh, sniper and clever, clever striker, but, you know, that's an overwhelming force you're going up against. So to be able to use smarts and brains and accuracy and sort of clever tricks. To beat a guy like Costa would be extremely, uh, I'll say this, either way, Costa wins or Yanez wins, either way it would be proof of concept of the kind of game that they have developed to this point.
0: Luke, Costa, uh, although he's, got a, you know, he's off to a great start and he's got a lot to prove to us still, it just, he feels like there's like a star magnetism to him. I don't know if he's going to become a star if he has that ability, but I feel like he kind of has the swagger at the very least.
1: He does, although I'm a little bit higher personally. I mean, nothing against Costa. I, I, I don't mean to say that. I, I just mean when I make a list of prospects that I've got my eye on as somebody who can do something special, Costa's on the list, but I'm just a little bit more intrigued by what Yanez can do. Again, it's not so much that the one we've got now is the guy. It's like there was a time, like sometimes you get these guys, I don't know, like um, I don't know what the best example is other than like the all-time greats, but sometimes people come around and they're like ready to go right out the box. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't think Yanez has been that way, but I think he's getting to a point where if you can build on what you've been showing, you can get to a place where you have to take him seriously as a blue-chip prospect. And a fight like this, even though he has a three-inch reach disadvantage, tells us a lot about whether he's he's got that in him.
0: Absolutely there, Luke. and uh, Yeah, very much looking forward to it. I want to also take a quick focus on welterweight Mickey Gall, who's on the prelim, taking on Jordan Williams. Gall coming in as a plus 145 underdog. And Luke, he needs a win here, you know, off of that Mike Perry loss and the the little brief pockets of hype he had at certain points in his career. I feel like this is one of those turning point fights. Do you know a ton about Jordan Williams and the threat he'll bring to Gall?
1: Um, he's a bit of a slugger. He has some losses to some good fighters. He's got some wins over some okay ones. I'll say this, like... Gall should kind of win this. I don't know if he's the betting favorite or not. I don't think that he... Or maybe he is. I don't really know. Look, I just Um, told
0: you that he was a plus 145 under
1: 145. Sorry, I didn't hear that part. Okay, I apologize. Okay, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close, right? You just got two fighters here who have had moments where they've shown, but they've got a lot of deficiencies. They've got a lot of things that just keep creeping up. I mean, here we go. We're talking about numbers, BC. Mickey Gall, 2.55 strikes landed per minute. Okay, it's a little low, but it's fine. That's not in any way abnormal uh but he absorbs 3.65 i mean he's got a negative differential by a full integer that's fairly rare in the ufc you don't see a lot of that um and he's got one uh and jordan williams who i think is okay but has taken a little more damage than i would uh, uh, have liked you know 6.07 to 5.77 he's basically 50 50 when he throws in terms of um, offensive defense I think if Mickey Gall can show Mickey Gall's always been a pretty good grappler but that really hasn't been true of late or at least he hasn't been able to show that of late I think what I would like to see is just a little bit of aggression and hunger and drive I think he's it, I don't know if this is true BC it just has looked like it has looked like at times that he felt like he was better than his opposition and kind of had a bit of a slow moving approach to the fight versus like, oh my God, I got a real threat here. I can get out, I can get out through it if I really just take it to him, I'd like to see a little bit more of that from him, a little bit of gusto, so to speak, and no an urgency urgency, I think is the word I would use
0: uh he's twenty nine and it's not like you know he gets cut if he loses, but you feel like if he, he loses might. here, you feel like if he loses here, you're gonna know who he's going to be the rest of his career, even though there's obviously still time we haven't seen the best of him. You know, sometimes guys don't get to a point where they can unlock the best of themselves. They never get there. So, uh, he's got to win this one in some ways. So, that's going to be interesting. Oh, uh, Luke, that's all I got for this card on Saturday. We talked about some of those other matchups earlier. But, uh, it, big dent with Aspen Lad gone, but still looking forward to it. Uh, let's hit up boxing news quickly because that's what the MMA fans love. But, this is a great story. If you're a boxing fan and all the crap that boxing tends to do with you. We don't tend to always uh, pre-sports negativity and hate on the sanctioning bodies but we do a lot for rightful reasons how about we applaud the sanctioning bodies the wbo has came out and ordered a mandatory title defense for wbo unbeaten welterweight champion terrence crawford against Showtime Sean Porter, who currently resides with the PBC on the other side of the political tracks, uh, but is obviously a former two-time uh, welterweight champion and gave Errol Spence all he could in that pay-per-view thriller. Luke, they have 30 days to make a deal, or it goes to purse bid, which would mean any promoter, or, you know, really network, because the networks and promoters are so much aligned, anybody can just swoop in and put the biggest uh, bid out there and steal the fight. Luke, um... Before I throw it to you on your reaction, here is let, let's remember Crawford's got one fight left on his top rank deal. There was a lot of rumors that it was just going to be a crappy throwaway fight against nobody, and top rank was going to let him go. Um, I don't know what that future means, but if we can get a sanctioning body to rather than take away from things we like, actually potentially add to it by forcing these two to to negotiate. And by the way, Crawford has to fight him or give up the belt, and Crawford's more than willing. He's been wanting to get these guys in the ring. Hey, it's one of those times, Luke, you hang around boxing long enough, good things will happen amid all the other crap.
1: Yeah, again, it's not the fight that anybody asks for. Uh, boxing doesn't give you those very often, if if ever. It's a good replacement,
0: um, though. It's not Spence, but it's a good replacement.
1: It's a great replacement. That's what I was going to say. It's an intriguing bout. I mean, Bud Crawford, how old is Bud Crawford at this point? 35? Like 34, 34, dude. I mean, he's yeah. the, the,
0: the, the sand is going through the hourglass, you know?
1: No doubt about it. And Porter, I think, you know, he's got a lot of, he's just a Tasmanian devil in there when he gets after it, which I think will give a tactician like um, Crawford some problems early. But if Crawford is who we think he is, then he should be able to overcome it. And watching him do that, if he can do that it would be interesting, but I'll say, you know, Crawford all this time kind of just giving away long stretches of his career, not fighting bums exactly, I don't think that's quite fair, but not fighting exactly the guys who he should have been, not just including Spence, uh, that will eventually catch up with him if he lets it. I just don't know if this is the, the moment, but either way, it's a tough, it's, you know, tactician versus brawler, which is, you know, somewhat of a crude assessment, but the, the, the basic archetypes work there. That's a great fight. That's a fun fight. I'm actually, and and by the way, Bob Arum's saying he he's confident that they can get a deal done that it won't even have to go to purse bid. That he can find a way to make it all work. So I got to tell you, I'd be pretty excited to see that.
0: This would be interesting because it, it does have potential to be a you know a two network pay per view. But for as great as this fight is, and it's great, I, you know, I'm not sure it would do big numbers on pay per view. So I wonder if this will be Arum and top rank from a business side. Sort of punting and saying, okay, we got Crawford for one more fight. We don't think he's gonna resign with us. We don't necessarily wanna jump up out of our shoes to throw a ton of money at him to resign. So this is a way to just pawn him off. Go ahead, PBC on Fox or, or Showtime or whatever. You can take this and put it on pay-per-view yourselves. I wonder if that's gonna be the case or if Bob's gonna to try to, you know, win this or 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 if either will be or we'll let it to go to purse bid, or or if you know, who knows? It's an option. PBC and Al Heyman could just pull out of this altogether and be like, no, we'll wait for Crawford's deal to expire so he can come to us and sign with us. I mean, there's a lot of um, crap that could happen, and if you care about the boxing business side, it, it could get pretty interesting here in the next 30 days as we get closer. But obviously, Luke, the, whole, and the goal is to see this fight next, and uh, the winner against the winner of Spence Pacquiao would not be a horrible way to uh, have a little welterweight title Final Four going on.
1: Yeah, that won't happen because that would be good, and boxing doesn't do those kinds of things for us, but I agree, in theory, sounds awesome. All right, well, sometimes, Luke, the the sanctioning
0: bodies, uh, you know, give, uh, rarely. They usually take away. Here's a potential development on that. Uh, We read the Instagram comments of Jermel Charlo on Wednesday about how into the idea he is at running back that junior middleweight 154, four-belt unification bout, undisputed championship against Brian Castaño, following, of course, their split draw two weeks ago. I did say, though, Luke, right after that great fight, you know, boxing shenanigans. Let's hope we can see this next. I don't think we're going to see it next, Luke. Why? Because the IBF has officially ordered Jermel to defend his title against Bakram Murtazaliev, who is an unbeaten but very, very, very unproven and largely unknown uh, junior middleweight, Luke, who's promoted by main events. he's ta- He's been the mandatory since 2019. He's taken step-aside money in the past and fought deep, on Charlo undercards to sort of like, okay, almost like we're not ready yet, but we will be. Now it, it seems like Kathy Duva and main events are ready to, try to kind of see what they have with this fighter. So Luke, Charlo will have to make a deal to uh, defend that or give up his belt. So doesn't look like we're getting the four belt championship next, but can we do early 2022, Luke? Would that make you happy? <sighs>
1: You know, it's, I don't even know what to say about this. Boxing is frustrating, dude. It's a great sport. Like, once they're in there and they're going, it's a great, it's a phenomenal sport. But Jesus Christ, the way they have organized things is, it's a mess. It's a real mess. And I, I, we've said this before when Canelo fought Yul Dearman, it wasn't a big deal because he was still going to be active and fight three, maybe four times in a year and blah. So, like, in that sense, it wasn't a big deal. But, like, with these guys fighting two times a year, one of these mandatories, especially if the mandatory ends up being a little bit tougher than they imagine then they're like oh i need to go take a break and reset and blah 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 and it's like you know you just Or if never... either
0: lose if Costanya or Charlo lose in the interim it's like oh crap there we go you know
1: Right exactly or you know they just take longer breaks and then you know I mean, there's still be there would still be interest if they if they remained unbeaten in between the first fight and the second such as that the uh, situation can be arranged but Jesus Christ, man. All these guys. You got to go fight, you know, Schmishmo the pea taster, because he was a number one interim ranked fucking whoever the fuck contender. And you got to go you shout fight out him. the
0: Schmo in that rant, Luke. Did you shout out the Schmo there?
1: No, I'm making up words for these guys' names. So they end up being just, you know, we'll, we'll th- you know, throw them in there with the, the superstars. I understand Applesauce the whole reasoning behind it. Yes. Yes. yes, Applesauce McGee, the fuckface extraordinaire. <laughs> it's just—it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating.
0: Luke, if we propose to our merch team today to add an Applesauce Fuckface McGee uh, t-shirt, how soon do you think they can get it up there on our site?
1: By the time Castano and Charlo rematch.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. And and <laughs> you know, it's like the boxing mandatory system is like, in theory, it's perfect. So like, it's not. A, it makes it so that if you're worthy. You get the title shot in, you know, even if you're not commercially viable or even if you don't have the right promoter and all that shit. But obviously it's a system that goes under a lot of abuse across the four sanctioning bodies. And many times, Luke, these number one contenders tend to be guys you've never heard of who have never fought out of their home country and aren't ranked in any other of the rank sanctioning bodies. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, is where we on the up and up here? There's usually a lot of that bullshit, but boxing gives it takes. Um, Luke, it is a little bit like when you and I have these talks. You as the MMA guy coming in and seeing the sins in my family, it's like bringing like the hot chick over to your like, you know, Thanksgiving family thing and not preparing her that your family's, uh, you know, bad shit crazy and weird things happen right in front of everybody. And uh, it's kind of like, yep, Luke, this is this is what we're willing to mine through to get that gold right to inject ourselves with that drug that we need, Luke. Which is big time boxing? You actually need that drug too, Luke. You need
1: it. I, I do. I do. Big time boxing is without peer. I, I think the best that the very best that boxing has to offer is basically the best that combat sports has to offer, with some pretty limited exception here or there. It's just Jesus Christ, man! Like, it's. I mean, this is. I, I bring it up. I sound like a bro- broken record at this point because I bring it up so consistently. But I'm gonna. It's worth thinking about. Dude, y'all out there proposing all these solutions about how to change MMA to get fighters more rights and money. Okay, fine. Noble goal in every way. You better think long and hard about the consequences of what path you want to go down because getting to a place where we're more like boxing seems to me, for the consumer's perspective, a fucking disaster. So just keep that in mind.
0: (laughs) You're You're like, if you like the fighting the way you've always loved it, do not support fighter rights. Thank you. More news at 11. I'm Luke Thomas. I'll be here all No, week. no. All right, Obviously,
1: Luke. fighters are entitled to a remedy, and a big one at that. But do you want to change the industry so that they have the kind of control and that other stakeholders who are absent from MMA today, like a sanctioning body, do you want that in MMA? Because I, what would be the case for it? And here's hear my question, BC. What would be the case for it from the consumer's perspective? And they always talk about, oh, you'd get all the fights that you can't get. Well, you would get more cross-promotional fights. That's true. But you would get a lot of fighters avoiding risk. Uh, and you would get a lot of other players in the middle uh, making the fights that fans would want to normally see much more difficult to come by. I don't I don't think that's an upgrade.
0: You'd also get a shit ton of corruption, Luke. <laughs> so, uh, yes. you know, it's great. It's great at the end of the day. All right, Luke, speaking of uh, the sport we love, uh, tonight is a milestone moment for our friends in, over there at Showbox. Uh, The new generation of fights, Luke, which has been such a great series for the last 20 years, uh, built upon the premise of matching young, unbeaten fighters or top-rising prospects against equally dangerous and regarded uh, potentially great fighters. Uh, You know, best versus the best, but early on in their career. Uh, Tonight, Luke, live on Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific is the start from the heart Land event center in grand island nebraska it's the 20th anniversary episode of this great series show t- show box and this triple header uh is 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 a decent one here and the the story though is more about obviously the history here luke um they've had a fantastic run we've got some some uh items here to support that if we can go to that but luke um have you visited much with the vehicle that is Showtime our friends Raul Marquez Steve Farhood Barry Tompkins on the call
1: I love Showbox they all listen Showbox is like honestly like maybe one of my favorite things that Showtime does and I mean that with absolute sincerity and you can see here look at these look at the names that have come through Showbox I mean obviously we had uh, Ricky Hatton just a second ago Carl Frotch um uh Nonito Donaire I mean the you'll see the list here it's endless it's endless and you get them at a fun time you get them at a lot of times when they're discovering deontay Wilder when they're discovering their game you get them when they're a bc you know this as well as i do i like fighting guys or not fighting guys i like watching guys fight gary russell jr from dc shots to dc um get them in like you know when they're 10 fights into their career let's say for the boxing side so somewhere around the five to six mark for mma which would be the rough equivalent um dude they're just like they're so wide-eyed And you can see such promise in them. It's just fun to think about what the future holds. And it's fun to enjoy them in that particular moment. And, dude, again, I'm going to say it one more time. Look at the names. I mean, Diego Corrales. Fucking shout-outs to the legend. Rest in power. Chico Corrales. But it goes on and on and on, BC, about what Showbox has done as a showcase for MMA's now Clarissa Shields. And, and so many more uh, uh, others out there. I love the showbox product, and I love yeah. that it's not pretentious either, dude. They're going to South Dakota. They're going to Biloxi, Mississippi. They're going to wherever the fuck that they have to go to give the next generation of guys or ladies uh, a chance to shine, a chance to get a good and meaningful fight along the way, not just some some runover guy that doesn't matter, a, a, a real building block to something. And they do it without all the fanfare that comes with. Obviously, you know, Showtime Championship Boxing is you know the the premier product. That Showtime puts out, but you know, in many ways, Showbox is uh, the heart and soul of of I think Showtime's boxing uh, coverage. It's just a personal opinion, and I'm I, I have such respect for Steve Farhood. I have such respect for Barry Tompkins, and I have such respect for everyone who's been a part of that. It's it's a essential piece of uh, of boxing the last twenty years.
0: Yeah, the late Nick Charles, always uh, a longtime partner with Farhood. You saw pictures of that. Uh, the main event tonight is. Unbeaten super middleweight prospects when Calvin Henderson takes on Isaiah Steen. And that's, you know, like I mentioned, the model of unbeaten versus unbeaten. Luke the first fight 20 years ago, July 2001, was 17-0 and Martin O'Malley against 17-0 and Leonard Doreen. Uh, and what was interesting is Doreen won that fight. And then when it, within a year, he became world champion. So that was 17-0 versus 17-0, which was the model. We're seeing that almost reproduced tonight. Uh, Luke, there's been a lot of great moments here. Uh, if we had Steve Farhad on right now, he would tell you the best one was that 2005 Sehul Powell versus Cornelius K9 bundridge fight, which landed, lasted 22 seconds. Both fighters were unbeaten. Only three punches were landed, Luke, but that fight is most well-known because Powell and Bundridge had a double knockdown. They knocked each other down, but the referee missed it. So both fighters just popped right back up and started brawling and the ref's just like, all right, keep going, keep going. And you know, a few seconds later, shortly after, Powell would viciously knock out Bundridge. Uh, that was a one we we cannot forget. But Luke, that's not my favorite moment in the history of Showbox. Do you remember a once highly touted prospect middleweight, Antoine Douglas? He was uh, he went in there on Showtime against Kurt uh, Seydze, and it was an incredible all-time great brawl, and he lost. But his mom, Luke, was a firecracker. I want to throw to this great interview between uh, Annette Douglas and the Hall of Famer, Steve Farhood.
1: Annette, Annette yes. Douglas. Yes, that's me, action mom. This how we roll them, this how we roll them. A champ at birth, my baby was told here, never walk or talk. A four-pound born baby, but look
0: at him now. Look at him now, that's all I breathe, is champ, got one right here. Look at us
1: now. That belt's going home his ass. We was just waiting for our shot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the easiest
0: interview I've ever had to do. I don't have to ask any
1: questions.
0: (laughs) You like what you see? I love it. Don't you love it? I love
1: it. I love you. Oh, thank you. Douglas. I got a chair. I need a hug.
0: Give me a hug. (laughs) Yet another memorable moment here. Oh, yes. Luke, all she breeds is champions. How be- how just beautiful is that moment? I mean, that's fantastic.
1: I don't understand parents that who are that nice to their children. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Look at us now. Wow, love that shit right there. So, uh, do not miss Showbox the twentieth anniversary episode this evening, nine p.m. Eastern. Good shit right there, uh, Luke. It's not the it's not the only combat sports though we have on this Friday night. Dude, I'm, you know, it is kind of worth talking about. It's interesting at the very least. BKFC19 will go down on pay-per-view tonight from the Florida State Fairgrounds. And it's Paige Van Zandt in her first appearance since losing her BKFC debut in February in a competitive decision loss to Britton Hart, which, of course, propelled Hart, who's an effing feeling, to all new levels of minor league stardom. But, Luke, PVZ is back in a rematch of sorts against former UFC foe Rachel Ostevich course we saw page submit rachel in 2019 Ostevich will be making her bkfc debut luke they got me okay they snared me i watched some videos the press conference uh i'm into it i'm into the storylines of this fight the co-main the some of the earlier fights i'm sorry i you know i've been trying to avoid this brent brookhouse of cbs sports has been banging on that drum luke that this is the best form of entertainment out there in combat sports and I, I'm biting off a little bit, and it's it's a little more than I can chew, but I haven't gone anywhere, Luke. You care about this at all? Please, no. tell me you do.
1: No, 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 not at all. I tried to, all just right. in preparation for the show, I watched their last fight, and it was Ostovich getting a lot of takedowns. There were some moments where they were exchanging on the feet for a little while, but it was, there was a lot of kicks being thrown at range and spinning back fists, and it was just, you know, what that means for this fight, I don't have any clue. Um, so...
0: All right. Well, get, Luke I have followed it closely, and uh, look, PVZ has changed. She feels like in the fifth round of that fight with Britton Hart, Luke, which she did come on down the stretch, that she was she figured out how to do this. So what she did is she stopped training at ATT, where she had been sort of mentoring under Tiago Alves, who of course former UFC vet and current BKFC fighter, and she moved to Pedro Diaz's gym in Miami, Luna Boxing, and has taken on a much more boxing approach. And she feels that will be the difference. Look, I feel like this is really good matchmaking because the name value in Ostovich, but I have some severe doubts. Even though Ostovich said she got the better of the feet with PVZ in their UFC fight, I got doubts that you know in her first fight she's going to come in there and do anything but take punches to the face. So it is pretty good matchmaking that they could give, they could put Paige back out there and give her a chance to clean up against a known opponent. But you also have Bret Hart in the co-main event against Jenny Savage, and there's been a lot of shit talk and all that. That it feels like it's just perfect matchmaking to PVZ Heart 2, right? Am I wrong, Luke? This is how you do it.
1: Sorry, my daughter's having a meltdown. I'm having a little trouble concentrating. But, yes, I think you're right. They're obviously setting up the winners of the main and co-main and hopefully PVZ Heart 2 to get that done. By the way, didn't Heart get married this week? Well, here we go, Luke. Let's throw to that. So, Hart, um, we tried to play the sound on last
0: week's show and we had an error and I forgot to grab it. But at the original press conference for this card, she went off saying, why am I in the co-main event against a nobody and Jenny Savage when I beat PVZ and now PVZ's in the main event. It was really smart sort of pro wrestling uh, uh, way of cutting a promo there. But Luke, since then, she's doubled down on a few different things, including what you mentioned, now becoming the Mrs. Joey Beltran. Uh, the news was broken on the Instagrams of both Joey and Britton Hart on Wednesday. And Luke, what's most interesting about this is the the two who just recently got engaged in only been dating a little while, but but Instagram has shown it's been a successful, uh, uh, you know, partnership. Luke, is that she got they got married at the courthouse Wednesday morning. Manich, can we toss to these photos, please? And she was at the press conference like an hour later to for the fight. <laughs> it just but mm. uh, but uh, you know, hey, here it is, Luke. God bless these two BKFC heroes getting together, Luke. They look really happy.
1: They look insanely happy. Uh, good for them. Good for them. I hope they have an opportunity to use any fight monies for a nice honeymoon.
0: All right. That's that's uh, that's very nice of you, Luke. Um, Britain deserves happiness too, Luke. Okay. All right. As we all. And um, I'm gonna be watching the storylines tonight closely because you know, Hart's uh, facing Savage, who was the one that Britain Hart poured water over her head when Savage ran in the ring two fights ago and got in her face, Luke. And uh. There's another riser the, that kicks off. There's a three women's, all three fights on the main card are women's fights, Luke. And there's a chick named Taylor Starling who was in that sort of BKFC potential fight of the year earlier this year that was bloody and eyeballs all over the face. She's back against um, uh, the, the MMA fighter, Luke. I forgot her name. She fought an in Invicta. You know who I'm talking about? No. No, I don't. All right. Uh, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm losing you here, Luke, but her name is uh, K- Cassie Robb. So, uh, oh, okay. Taylor Starling also looks like a potential firecracker, Luke. What is with Dave Feldman and BKFC? I feel like they're scouring out Middle America, looking for like down on their luck single moms with tattoos who are scrappy as all hell, and there's like a platform then for them to be turned into gas station stars here, Luke. This is um, it's working.
1: I actually think he's. I actually think he's a pretty clever. He's got a pretty clever eye for talent, and he's got a pretty clever. Um... He surprises people. He surprises. He surprised me a number. I think Dave Feldman's a pretty smart guy. You know, he's made some mistakes, and I don't know if I love the product exactly, but uh, I do think he's a capable promoter. BC, I think he's. I'll say this: he's a very underrated, clever promoter. Whether or not you like the product or not, that's a different thing. But he's, you know, who's doing better than him? I, I, in that space, I don't know uh, that anybody is.
0: Yeah. Our producer Manich was all over me, Luke. That there's also a bare knuckle fight on the same card pairing. Uh, some rapper named Blueface against some TikToker who steals people's content. Uh, it's not for me, Luke, but this, you know, Dave Feldman going for. It I've I've TK.
1: heard oh. Blueface's raps before, you know, which I sound like the oldest person on fucking Earth saying it that way. I get that he sucks. He's not good at all. But I guess the kids wow. love him, so that's oh, all wow. that matters. Luke,
0: <laughs> Luke Thomas cutting a promo here against old Blueface. Wow! <laughs> all right, I could. I can match make that one too, Luke. Uh, so we'll no, see what I'm happens. Too, I'm PVZ too old is and I have,
1: I'll, I'll, have, I'll be like Tim Sylvia. I'll have diarrhea in the middle of the fight.
0: Yeah, well, all right. All right. Uh, and by the way, PVZ that needs to win bad. She's going to get it. Watch out. So I don't. Can you even bet on this shit, Luke? You can't bet on it, right? I,
1: I'm pretty sure. You, I, it's, isn't this fight in Tampa, Florida? I mean, you can just, you know, collect right. fivers in the audience and figure it out.
0: Uh, Luke, I continue to live by the motto of efficiency on Fridays when uh, BC hosts with the red background, no J Fridays. And, you know, A growing number of people who did wonder what this show could have been like if I had been hosting full-time from the beginning. But, Luke, we always uh, close the five segments with the quick hitters here to get Luke Thomas's take. Uh, Brandon Marino came out, Luke, and doesn't seem to be all that interested or or really wants a Figueroa rematch and is more interested in uh, moving on down the line. Luke, your thoughts and your prediction on the direction that matchmaking goes with the new first-stand-only Mexican-born UFC champion.
1: Yeah, good. He's completely right. The second fight wasn't close, uh, really, at all, hardly. I mean, it was, you know, moderately here or there, but basically that was the Brandon Moreno show. Figueredo lost fair and square. There's zero controversy about it. I'm not saying he has to go to the back of the line, but, yeah, time for you to start your pushback up to the title shot by beating other guys, and time for the champion to fight someone else. Totally agree.
0: Uh, Number two-ranked Askar Askarov is out there, Luke. Number three is Pantoja for Alex Perez.
1: Yeah, either Askarov or Panto just seem like the best choices at the moment, but, um, you know, we'll see.
0: Your boy KK France from uh, Down Under, is there, Luke?
1: He's a good fighter as well, yes.
0: All right, all right, indeed. Uh, Let's keep it going here, Luke. Justin Gaethje, not interested in a Michael Chandler fight. I'm very interested to find out who the highlight will come back against, Luke, right now as business booming at lightweight. Your thoughts on this?
1: Um... If they don't make a Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler fight, can I, you know, repurpose the words of promotional malpractice? How do you not how do you not make that fight? This is really my question. And and plus, both guys are coming off of losses out of title fights. You know, so they're in they're still in good, very good, but similar kinds of positions. They're both Bellator was like when Michael Chandler was there, he was, I'm not going to say their version of Justin Gaethje, but, you know, when you look down the roster, who's an all-action guy for Bellator at the time is Michael Chandler. Well, now he's over in UFC. You can do some of these crossover fights. Gaethje's reformed, um, but still looking for a win after what Habib did to him. So, holy shit, how do you not put that one? And plus, they have, you know, manufactured or otherwise, they've got some kind of dispute going on. So, Jesus Christ, make that fight. Oh, it, it, Justin Gaethje's going to go, what, a year without fighting or more? Fucking make that fight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I couldn't I couldn't echo that uh, anymore, Luke. Bombs a frickin' way. Good God, give me that. Uh, Luke, I believe uh, Michael Chiesa, uh, UFC welterweight, who's returning uh, relatively soon, I think next week, right, Luke? Um, he says he was potentially offered Kamaru Usman at UFC 261. Have you been following this story?
1: You believe all this? I-, I did not see that. What did he say?
0: I'm trying to figure that out myself, you know. I should have maybe... You know, it's possible I should have prepped a little bit more. But at UFC 261, Kamaru Usman, of course, fought Jorge Masvidal in the rematch. And it was Kiesa uh, on the what-the-heck pod talking that, you know, he may have been potentially in that. But Luke's in that, you know, in that negotiation. But Luke, sometimes uh, people are used as leverage and a ploy. Like, okay, they're not getting the price they want, let's say, uh, UFC to either... Masvidal or, or Usman could be like, oh well, we got Kiesa. He's, he's already accepted it. You know, he's right here. He's ready. You know, so it, it's interesting. Look, it seems to be more of that to me than uh, you know Kiesa necessarily deserving it in that spot or anything more than that, right?
1: I think um, I, I I'm a big believer in Kiesa's upside, but there's still a little more winning to do. Still a little more winning to do at welterweight before you know, a tie, a real deal title shot is in order. And so um, let's see what he's got for us. I guess the fight is next week. Yeah. All
0: right. Chiesa was saying how uh, his manager called him, Luke, and was like, you know, how, what kind of shape are you in? Can you potentially, you know, turn this around quick? So again, it seems like that type of leverage pull right there. Also, Luke, uh, Oscar De La Hoya has officially an, a date and a venue and a lot more for his boxing match against former uh, MMA star and uh, 2013's uh, monster of the year, Vitor Belfort. It'll take place September 11th at the Staples Center in Los Angeles as a thriller pay-per-view with Jim Lampley and Snoop Dogg announced for the announced team. But, Luke, most importantly to the idea of what this fight will look like, it's been changed from an exhibition to a sanctioned fight in the state of California. Eight rounds, but two-minute rounds. Luke, two-minute rounds are what we're trying to get rid of in the women's boxing game. And maybe two, if you, I understand two-minute rounds in an exhibition, but if you're trying to be like, no, we're tough, man, I'm 48, but I'm coming back, I want a real fight, and then you're doing two-minute rounds, what kind of backyard bullshit is that, Luke?
1: Not my favorite. I mean, I I, I I said one of the things I liked about Jake Paul's upcoming boxing bout versus Logan's was that it was a pro contest. The one he has with Woodley's a pro contest. And that's true. Like, I'm going to prefer pro contests to exhibitions almost universally however you're right first of all you're going to two minute rounds it's like a pro contest but not the real kind i mean the one with the one with woodley and paul is eight rounds but it's three minutes each so it's a normal fight um for someone of that experience level then this case like the two dudes are old vitor is doesn't even i mean he's boxed before but you know he's not a boxer de la hoya is de la hoya you know, again, there's there's an audience for this shit, but like, it, it ain't me. Luke
0: De La Hoya has never boxed above 160 pounds as a pro. This will be a 180 pound catchweight bout. Jeez. So there's a little bit of a, ta- a potentially taxable cut on Belfort at this age, well, right? To come he, down.
1: Now he was he was badly drained, right? BC, but wasn't De La Hoya like 150 against Pacquiao?
0: Yes, yes, that was his last fight in 2008.
1: Yeah, and he got fucking beaten like a drum in that I, actually I was on no, I, was, this. I was I was on a date with the, my wife at the time and we were like god damn he's getting tuned up oh it was
0: it was it was you know me being a dela you know super fan in terms of the fighter that was tough to watch there's no question about it uh but uh it's interesting uh forgot the du- exact direction I was going there uh, on the counter but Oh, going the week before canelo so it's uh it's Oscar making sure he's not competing against canelo but at the same time is still putting in the in the quotes in the in the uh, press release that this is Mexican Independence Day weekend even though it's really the following weekend when Canelo's fighting like he does every year but uh it's
1: it's, it's interesting dumb. It's, it's dumb it's dumb uh,
0: I, I think the weight will suit Oscar fine. I'm just interested. I'm just a little nervous about Belfort coming down the five pounds, Luke. At this age, it's probably going to be sloppy and gross, uh, but I'll probably be into it when it actually happens, Luke. I'm sorry. You, sometimes you have to be honest with, with, with yourself. You know, I'm keeping, f- you know, the disgusting food out of my liver area these days. But my interest in disgusting fights, it it, so it, it really it's an appetite that that has a different operator at the wheel. I don't control that.
1: Yes, you are an addict to all things terrible for you. I know that pain pretty similarly myself. But, uh, you know, I- I'm sure I'll pay attention because it's my job to pay attention. But otherwise, I. It's just boring to me.
0: Uh, the grossest part about it, though, is that the advertising, the press releases, the banner for this fight is calling it the biggest fight in combat sports history. All right. Yeah, about that. Well, there's that, Luke. Uh, Luke, I know who might be the biggest fan and morning combat history. And that is our boy and yours, Damien from Stockton, who we revealed during Wednesday's fan submissions, actually went out and got a morning combat tattoo of our sun and fist logo on the inside of his left bicep. Luke, I was so touched, scared, enamored by this touching tribute and just next level dedication to our brand that I did want to chat with the bloke and it turned into a, a lengthy conversation and a fun one that will air in full on the uh, morning combat YouTube channel later today. But here's a little snippet of my chat with super fan Damien. The Pepsi challenge. He poured it all over himself there. Uh, Look, we are humbled by your gesture. Uh, There are going to be a lot of people though, who maybe didn't get a chance to meet you in Vegas. They're just going to go, wow, this Damien guy sounds like a a great candidate for, you know, full-time in a state penitentiary. Can you (laughs) confirm or deny your level of sanity at the moment.
1: Uh, you see, I'm a sweetheart, okay? Um, I know some of my tattoos are a little bit evil, but um when it comes to tattoos, I like tattoos that are dark. Dark to me, dark tattoos are wicked. Wicked is cool. I think tattoos should be cool, you know. So, um that's kind of like my theme. Not all my tattoos are like that. Um, even the Pope
0: Kissing the Devil Baby has a meaning behind it, but um I know my tattoos tell um, show one side of me, though, but I'm more of like a Brandon Moreno, kind of like a kid, you know, like
1: innocent person. I just happen to like dark tattoos, though, but uh, I'm not I'm sane. I'm not crazy. Uh, I'm just a donk.
0: Luke, it's a little bit of, you know, putting out the milk to the stray cats around the corner of the uh, your of favorite the thing. But uh, but you know BC has been always you know always said he penetrates the fans he gets you know he gets on the inside and and this was uh, a little bit of that Luke you know if if you should end up if you should wake up, in the bathtub of an abandoned building, somewhere in the Midwest one morning, Luke. I will take probably a little bit of responsibility for that, Luke. One time I had a substitute teacher in uh, high school. And people were clowning him and asking him where he lived, Luke. And I and I looked up the address and set it out in front of the class, Luke, thinking I was doing something like edgy and cool. And the guy uh, took me out uh, to the side afterwards. And he was like, if those psychopaths end up going anywhere near my house, I'm holding you uh, legally responsible for this. I just want <laughs> you to know. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" And uh, so, Luke, this may be me, you know, doing this to you, Luke. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I love our fans. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to stop loving on them. You know, you can't make me.
1: But I'm not opposed to getting an MK tattoo, but we have to hit a certain level of heights for me to do that.
0: Okay, okay, all right. He uh, what what uh, what? Damian wanted Luke was to get that tattooed that he got done while he was in Vegas, and wanted you and I to get mk tattoos as well i don't know if they're matching i don't know if if you know he was gonna give us a roofie afterwards but uh that was his goal Luke, would you have been willing to get like okay and i get the m and when we put our specific body part together it makes mk that's a I, hadn't th- I
1: hadn't thought about that but that's an interesting idea
0: yeah it's a little well it's a little uh there's a lot of intention and, and intentionality of potential man love in that luke which is fine right you know luke i love you but it's it's fine it, but it is uh you know It's awkward, but it's fine. Yeah. All right, Luke, that's what I got for that. But uh, speaking of our people, I'm willing to service you. Are you willing to service us back? I'll show you mine. If you show me yours and what we need from you is uh, we're finalists in the category of sports for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. In fact, Luke, I believe we're finalists in three categories. People are telling me that you can vote for us in three categories. We appreciate all you do in support of us. And, you know, in addition to liking and subscribing, this is actually probably the best way you can support us right now. It's not the world to Luke and I, but it is the world to those who support us. Uh, and if you want to nominate us, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. And I don't know what you have to do from there. All right. All right. Maybe sign up for a loan for two hundred fifty dollars. I don't know. All right. Maybe provide urine samples, something. You, but if you do that for us, we'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. Am I wrong, Luke?
1: No, I think you're right. People who make this show possible would be very happy if we won this. So to please them, please do this.
0: Yeah, there you go. A lot of pleasing involved. Uh, I'm not wrong on that, but Luke, sometimes I am wrong when I speak into a microphone upwards of 12 hours a week and really put the future of our jobs in in, in full-on threat. But luckily, Luke, we have a band of brothers uh, and a few sisters who like to call us out on what we missed each week. They go to morningcombat at gmail.com as the preferred way to reach us with fan submissions and corrections for a Friday segment in which, if you're going to come, you better come on with a timestamp and some boldness to tell us that we were dead wrong. All right. Uh, no rap lyrics. Uh, we open with Owen. He says, morning chaps, let me pour some honey into your ears before I shove the knife in. You guys are fantastic. The live show was such a great and well-deserved moment. It had everything, insight, no cells, pending bowel infections, and the freaking art. Keep the juice flowing, my friends. Having said that, Luke is dead wrong. At the start of nearly every show, he refers to BC as his, quote, CBS Sports Brethren. Now it so happens that Brethren is plural, and BC is very much a singular figure. Although, there's a few personalities in play, Luke, I'll tell you that much. Um, Though I agree that he certainly wears many different hats. Gas station grill survivor, loving husband, misunderstood comedian, connoisseur of virtual elderly abuse, etc. So despite BC's many personalities, he is your brother, and instead of your Brethren, so straddle that, bitch! Much love from the Netherlands, and may all your future Polish UFC champions answer your phone calls. Hey, Luke, that's well done from Owen right here. Okay, yeah, Take except
1: that. that except that it's not actually correct. It comes from being in the same part of a religious order or fraternal group, which we are. Hence, CBS Sports. So, actually, he's fucking dead wrong. No, that's yeah, not we're, correct, we're, even a little bit. Well, I sorry, say we're doesn't part of doesn't mean group. it doesn't mean brother or whatever the fuck. No, we
0: do we we are brothers in Christ, Luke. You and I. Okay. All right?
1: Uh, You might be. I'm not.
0: Okay, There's still time. There's still time, Luke. Okay? Uh, So, Luke, let's keep the dead wrongs rolling here. Uh, Number two is from Chris with a K. Hi, guys. Just want to point out, during Friday's episode 180 at the one-hour-and-three-minute mark, Brian says Denise Kielholtz was kickboxing world champion with both Bellator and Glory. But Kielholtz has never actually kickboxed in Glory on another... Small kickboxing note for Brian: BC called Nikki 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 Holtskin a Glory kickboxer during episode 173 at the two-hour mark, but he hasn't fought in Glory since December 2017. He's currently with one championship where That's he true. fought his most five recent bouts. Kind regards. I'll take the second L. I really haven't been following Holtskin all that closely since he had that big uh, boxing close-up when he was the late replacement there, but. Um, Luke is he's good. Is that true? He's,
1: really, he's very good.
0: Is that true that Cole Keel has never kickboxed with Glory and I made yeah, that up,
1: Luke? I think that I think that I think they're right. Or mm-hmm.
0: right, I'll take the L. I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chris, with a K. Appreciate that. Uh Goran slides in and says, BC, what the hell? You were dead wrong during dead wrong last week when you said David Wells struck out 17 during the 1997 <laughs> Yankees versus Oakland A's game. He in he, in fact, struck out 16, a Whoa. career high. However, his greatest accomplishment was throwing a perfect game whilst drunk. Baseball in the 90s, freaking hilarious. Thank you. Goran Ivanistevich, Goran, I'll I'll take that L, sir. I was at that game. I was heavily intoxicated on warm peach tree, and uh, I was wearing a Wallflower's T-shirt, and David Wells did strike out 16, a fantastic performance. So, um, Luke, this was, uh, this was pre-9-11 when you could, sit in the bleachers and expect uh full-on seven deadly sins to break out in front of you luke it was great you know bro
1: do you remember back in the day like before 9-11 when you would get off a plane and like the people you were meeting could meet you at your gate you oh remember yeah that? oh yeah
0: baby oh yeah
1: people don't understand how good it used to be and then some asshole fucking puts bombs in his shoes and now we all got to undress for tsa it sucks
0: Luke, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I went to the airport at uh, JFK to pick up my uncle who was flying in, and the New York Jets football team had just walked through, you know, out of the plane into the uh, into the terminal. So I came running, and I got like forty autographs, bang, 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 one after another. Luke, it was an incredible moment in my young sports fandom. Even though the Jets were awful during that Freeman McNeil <laughs> era, I was going to
1: say how many New Yorkers were pelting them with batteries as they walked I through mean, the concourse.
0: That was a dark, dark time in, uh, in their competitiveness. But, uh, you know, you can't have those moments anymore, Luke. Okay. I mean, you can't even, I used to say you can't even sneak an erection into Yankee stadium post nine eleven, Luke, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you remember when in 2000 at the national league championship series in game six, the same night, Mike Hampton produced a three hit shutout to close out the Cardinals. I did set an NLC rest record by getting six cans of bud heavy into that game in my pants, Luke. So, um, you know it used to be a regular ordeal
1: yeah I used to tape uh flasks uh to my inside of my knee like the like the top of the like right where the knee meets the the the, the like the on the inside of the knee essentially I would tape flasks there and then wear like baggy jeans and we would just get lit off that. Oh yeah. Love
0: that. Love it. People used to bring in lacrosse sticks. I mean, you know, you could you could do anything back then, Luke. All right, let's keep the dead wrongs rolling. Wow, a lot of people getting in on here. Michael Scott uh, Scott A., Will, Jesse, and Greg, they say another dead wrong for your boy Luke on the same Monday show. When referring to Islam Mahachev's lone loss, Luke said it was a head kick KO from Adriano Martins. I knew it was wrong, but went back to watch the fight to be sure, and Islam lost by a knockout punch. Ah. I've got to say... in re- In regards to his profession, Luke has been on a Tyron Woodley, Jeremy Stevens-esque run as of late. Get your shit together, player. Yeah, yeah, bro. Luke, take that shit. Eat that shit. You know, sit on that L. Straddle it, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Spin a few times.
1: I think uh, it was Cerrone who finished off Adriano Martins with a head kick KO. I think that's the way I got confused.
0: We all make mistakes. Luke. I, I make them on camera on a regular basis. OK, I just make them kind of artsy. Right. I just, you know, like just, you know, running with it. Right, Luke. Um, all right. Michael and Big Mike. Those are separate Mike slid in here on Monday morning show. Luke said that Misha Tate won by third round submission when, in fact, she won by a TKO over. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Mar- Marianne Reynaud. Her first in the ufc you get paid to do this bro if my memory and eyesight get as bad as luke's has in old age may the lord smile smite me down at the current age of 29 damn luke there bro i mean they are shooting their shot today luke okay if you're gonna come during uh yeah you know, dead wrong come on bro come on
1: all right i'll take that l Damn.
0: Wow. Yes. You just took the this. Is, this is right why this margarita. is why
1: we have this segment, dude. You got to you got to you got to face up to your errors. That's how we keep our relationship with the audience honest. So when you make a mistake, right. you just got to eat it. I'll eat it.
0: Uh, Austin from New Jersey is here. He calls himself a forever fan. He says to the best duo in the business, I never wanted to send one of these. But on Monday, July 19th, in the first clip of Have You Seen the Shit?, the segment was Daniel Rodriguez's annihilation of Mr. Parsons. Brian said it happened in the third round, which was wrong. It happened in the first round with 1.14 left in the all round. All right, it did. Timestamp 1.33 and 19 seconds. This, of course, means absolutely nothing because it's MK all day, effing day. Thank you so much for your hard <laughs> work. I'll take that L. A lot of times on Have You Seen This Shit, I got six, seven things to throw to, trying to yeah. remember what rounds they were in. You know what I'm saying? But very well done, Austin. That, w- that was very cordial right there. All right. Uh, let's see if Randall will be the same. So during a segment today, Wednesday, July 21st, BC referred to Willie D of the Ghetto Boys as, quote, Willie G, the gangster of love, as a proud ho- uh, Houstonian and now, a former donk. Just kidding. I love the show. I am appalled that someone who claims to love the 90s so much messed that up. Shame, shame, shame. Much love from Houston. And my MK tattoo is coming soon. Hashtag VaxLife. It's Randall. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, Luke. Wow. <laughs> a lot, lo- lot going on right there. Um, I will accept that, L. Yes. It was Willie D, the gangster of love, not Willie G. But, uh, Damn, Luke, did I love the Ghetto Boys during that era. Bushwick Bill was, uh, he was everything to me, Luke, that little bastard. He was everything to me.
1: Listen, Bushwick Bill was a big deal back in a certain time. And Scarface, Scarface has uh, put out records long past uh, the Ghetto Boys' life. So God bless them all. Houston, great place. Love Houston.
0: All right, Mikey, our producer, has two more for us. And this is under the heading of two non-dead wrongs, but of note. So this one's from Malcolm. Good day, boys. Not strictly a dead wrong, but a very bad miss nonetheless. The two Orca going finger tip to tip on the beach during last week's Have You, Se- or this week's Have You Seen This Shit was o- none other than Jack Black and Kyle Gass from the mighty Tenacious D. Disappointed that you two didn't immediately recognize those two legends. Luke, I got so many tweets and DMs about this. Um, I didn't, I've never seen Kyle Gass look that old, so I, 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 it didn't click that that was Tenacious D right there, Luke.
1: Yeah, I don't care.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Take that, Malcolm. Get get fucked, Malcolm. Thank you. Uh, Also, Roel, that's R-O-E-L. How would you pronounce that, Luke? Hole? Hole in Brazil? They call him Hole?
1: (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Hole
0: Call him Courtney Love. Uh, Luke, during the Corey Sandhagen tj Dillashaw storyline segment on Wednesday, you said the winner should get Aldo and Peter Jan fight. It's not a big dead wrong, but I want to get on the show. I, I hope this one is deserving. His nickname is Aljo. Love the show. Luke, you may have said Jose Aldo's last oh, name I instead think, of. Yes, Aljo. I
1: probably yeah, I probably did that. Um Okay, fine. I'll take that L.
0: Okay. Yeah, we'll take it. Hey, very cordial this week. Look, they they you know, you know, look, there's there's some like bosses throughout history that like they won't respect you unless you like threaten to fight them one time and get in their face right and, and stand up to their abuse right we're like that with our listeners too i mean they brought it we respect that okay you're part of the team come on in come uh, it doesn't
1: on. mean it doesn't mean we respect every time that they bring it to us because they have to come correct as well but the reality is we get shit wrong and they got to call us on it so there you go look,
0: look everything you do luke you got to come original right
1: <laughs> omaha styley you know who wouldn't want to do that
0: I mean, I mean, goodness, who cares about the color of her? Uh, uh, yeah, all right, enough enough amber jokes there, Luke. All right, um, that is uh, actually the show for the week. No, Luke don't we Thomas, have tips? Except for, that is true. We do touch tips at the end, like Tenacious D. So uh, sorry, about, sorry about that, Manich. I'm back on, the, back on the line here. Uh, Luke, tip to tip time. I'll sh- tip off with this, Luke. Holy. Oh, yeah, tip, touch, tip. This is where we give our weekly recommendations, and Luke, uh, this week I'm going to recommend with the fullest stamp of approval the new Hulu docu series called McCartney 321. It's a six-episode mini doc here that features fame, very famous record producer Rick Rubin, of course, of you know Beastie Boys, Tom Petty, Red Hot Chili Peppers, fame and beyond, sitting down with Paul McCartney in a. In a studio, there's instruments around. They've got the, you know, engineering soundboard out. And essentially going through the biggest Beatles and Paul solo songs throughout history and just breaking them down behind the inspiration on how it was written. And I think even more in terms of revelation is the fact that, you know, Paul McCartney, who's always been one of the most underrated bassists in history, you realize why in this freaking documentary, because they're stripping down the songs and playing you know, just the specific instruments. Luke, I could not have been more enthralled. This is the kind of catnip that I get down with. This was incredible. I'm already a big Rick Rubin fan, love the, uh, actually the Shangri-La documentary series on the Showtime app that you can watch that sort of just focuses on Rick Rubin's life today as a producer. But uh Luke, have you heard about this? Did you know about this? Did you watch this? You're going to love this.
1: No, I-, I can't say that I have. I do have Hulu. I don't, I will candidly admit, BC, I'm not great about using Hulu. And then people like you come around, like, "Have you seen this, 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 this?" And every time I go and follow up with someone's recommendation on Hulu, it almost always hits. So I'm afraid to say I've not heard of it, but I will also say that uh, intrigued, super intrigued.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it. Look, everyone loves the Beatles, right? To some degree, obviously, but it, it, it's a, it's like next level shit. It, it's showing you, like you, like you know. I, I listen to Jimmy, but do I hear Jimmy? Luke, it, show, it, it, it takes you to that next level if you're not already there in terms of understanding why the songs were so special and the different instrumentation. And that's like right where I'm at right now, Luke, okay? This vinyl exploration, this, this sort of, you know, this is my life. You know what I mean, Luke? I, I can't stop, okay? I love it, all right? I got Braun Stetter in my DMs every second, okay? This is the life I've chose, Luke, and this, this, is, uh, this is the drug to continue down that road. So anyone wants to come with me, Let's do it. Luke, your tip for the week?
1: My tip for the week. Very simple. Uh, I put it up on Instagram yesterday. Patrick Wyman has a new book out. It's called, I don't know if you can see it here, it's called uh, The Verge, Reformation Renaissance and 40 Years That Shook the World. Now, who is Patrick Wyman? Well, Patrick Wyman, for a long time, was co-host of Heavy Hands Podcast, although he moved along. He briefly worked at the Washington Post. I think he had some, he worked at Sherdog. He has written for Deadspin and some other places. He was all involved in MMA media for a time, but he also had a PhD from the University of Southern California, wasn't going to go into academia strictly, like he wasn't going to be a professor and so he's just sitting on this PhD. Like, what was he going to do about it? And so he started a couple podcasts. Fall of Rome, uh, I think, was the one first. And then Tides of History is the one he currently is still doing, and they were massive successes. I've seen I've seen people on my timeline retweet the guy who are you know big in the political world, or even just the guy who played Olaf in uh, Frozen, uh, Josh Gad, I think is his name. Even he yes. was retweeting or tweeting about Patrick Wyman the other day because you know, listen. Um, academia is hard to get a job in. It's hard to succeed. in, even if you're enormously talented, it's just a bit of a fucked up field. But the guy's obviously bright and he obviously knows what he's talking about. And he's taken those creative pursuits and he's made history, I think, accessible in at least the, cover- the, the ways in which he covers it to a lot of different people who had never had it before. I mean, how many times growing up did you have a history class that was just fucking boring and awful i never feel yeah. that way when i'm listening to patrick i never feel that way when i read him now I, I just got this book in the mail yesterday i so i've obviously not read it but you can look at the reviews here one more time you can look at the reviews uh they're 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 i mean they couldn't be better everyone is raving about it it's already an amazon bestseller even though it just came out about a week ago or not even that and uh, it's a towering triumph to see somebody to go who who started in MMA really and then go and you know leave the the sport. Sometimes they just disappear, and then sometimes like Patrick Wyman, they just do a lot better. And uh, it's great; it's absolutely great to see him succeed this way. This is out now in bookstores everywhere. Uh, it's on Amazon again. The Verge: Reformation, Renaissance, and Forty Years That Shook the World from 1490 to 1530. Apparently, this is how the West was essentially reborn patrick wyman congrats to patrick great to see him succeed and uh i'll be sure to read this you should go read it too
0: uh i hope with my factory town education that i would have the focus to stay with this Luke. it sounds intriguing and i'm wondering i'll I'll tell you i'll tell you this much
1: he's the history teacher you always wish you had you know what i mean you always wish you had someone who could make it digestible for you
0: in your most honest moments your most deepest darkest self-relevatory moments luke Do you hope that even now you could have a Wyman type second act in the American life to go from this worthless, you know, this cage fighting bullshit to like legitimate works of art that, you know, and literacy that may finally get Robert Thomas to uh, to show, show some class, show some heart. You know, if I, if, if I stepped over the line, Luke, you need to put me back there. Okay. But I'm, I'm fighting for you in this. All right
1: yeah i don't i don't think that's in the cards for my life so um all right we'll just keep doing see, this show about
0: has. dicks and shit yeah yeah it's fine you know we'll just yeah we'll just all right people seem to like it they tell you know i don't see patrick wyman getting his book tattooed on anybody right now okay you know like that, that's yeah, that's exactly. where that's where i exactly. separate that.
1: you know what right. fuck patrick wyman he don't know shit anyway yeah. mk all day oh, you d- nearly every day
0: you You mentioned uh, Josh Gad, the Olaf guy, the uh, voice actor, actor, whatever. Uh, Luke, did you follow during the pandemic? He had that um, I forgot what it was called, but he had that web series where he would bring on the entire cast of a famous like 80s or 90s movie and and just kind of relive the moments with
1: them no but i do have screaming diarrhea so if you could wrap this up that'd be sweet
0: wow wow that that is how we end most shows uh uh you know abruptly leaving the fans wanting more as luke is uh crowning like the king of england at the moment okay for our great staff here at uh showtime cbs malka uh gaff pierre manich sally al wendling mikey i love everyone okay coach matt snyder i love them all uh Thank you. If you want thirty days free of Showtime, guys, do it right now, please. Uh, Showbox 20th anniversary tonight. Next week is Pitbull McKee. Do, need I say more? Okay. Uh, Showtime.com 30 days free pounding sand is a is a end option. Uh if you don't like it. And also please buy our merch, morningcombat.store. Guys, it's just it's just cool shit. And it's a great way to pre- to represent us. Vote for us at that stinking podcast thing if you care. Uh, continue to spread the word, okay? You can be. You can be our workers out there, all right? You can be our frontline soldiers in this great war of uh, of USA versus versus the versus Canada versus everybody. OK, we're coming. All right. And, and if you're going to come then come on right along with us at these addresses here. Uh, shout out to Damien. Check out my chat with him. That'll be later today on YouTube, along with Freddie Roach. You can check out Aspen Lad. all that great stuff. Luke's live chat. T.J. Dillashaw, it's the best stuff going uh, for Luke Thomas. Uh, Luke, do you have any final words? All right, that's great. For Luke Thomas, my name is Brian Campbell. Uh, remembering, w- along with you, um, what it feels like to be young and free, okay? Go live your life, all right? That, that, that beat, dr- that drum in your heart, is that, a, is that a passion? Is that a hobby? Or is that where you're going in your life, okay? Because it's not going away. It's knocking on that door every single day, okay? So uh, follow your heart. Take that, big, take that step forward today. All right, go in the direction of your dreams. Go, go swiftly. Come on, bro. Okay, come on already. Uh, look where I am today, sweaty and in my basement, turning 43 in two days. Uh, thank you to everybody. Luke Thomas is on the throne, and I'm the king of Connecticut, Brian Campbell, and we were MK. We out.